1: Hey, this is Sean T from Insanity and T25. And if you want to learn more on how to grow an insane network, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chapel.
0: Welcome back to the show. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know. If you agree, then keep on listening for tips on how to cultivate meaningful connections the right way. If you disagree, then tune in anyway. To let me prove you wrong with my journey. My name is Travis Chapel, and this is the Build Your Network podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm really excited to bring on the guest. I know I always say that, but uh, it seems to be true every single time that I do it, but, this one is a little bit unique because this is somebody that I've been following for years now. Before I even got into this podcasting scene, this personal development world, um, I was doing this guy's workouts at home even before I uh, before I got married. After I stopped playing college basketball, I was getting a little bit of weight and I wanted to lose some weight before I got married and I was doing this guy's training programs at my house. So um, this one was really cool for me to be able to drive out to his place out in Arizona and get this one done. Now, this is going to be a little bit unique because um, the second half of the file got corrupted. So we are actually re-recording the second part of this interview. And so we're splitting this up into two parts. So this one is going to be part one. So who is this? If you haven't guessed by now, you've probably seen it on my social media. Um, This is Sean Tea. Sean is an American motivational speaker, fitness trainer, fitness motivator, businessman, television personality, and choreographer, and he's best known for his home fitness programs for adults, which include T25, Insanity, and Hip Hop Abs. If you have not taken one of these programs, I promise you it will kick your butt. <laughs> I used to be one of those guys that just wanted to play basketball and then go lift heavy things. And then uh, I took some of Sean's programs and man, they they absolutely destroy me. Every time I'm just like left laying on the floor for a couple of minutes, just completely covered in sweat. Um, and I promise that they will be worth your time for sure. So uh, Sean and I talk about a range of different things. We start off with how he overcame sexual abuse... As a child and heading into his teenage years, uh, we talk about what led to his first contract with Beachbody, and then we'll talk about which program of his that he... Liked the best, or not necessarily liked the best, the one that means the most to him. Because we kind of went back and forth on it, and I and I made him pick one because he didn't want to pick one. Um, but uh, I think you guys will enjoy that part of the interview. So, so many different things that we get into, and uh, Sean is an expert on so many different topics, and so I can't wait to share that conversation with you. But really quickly before we get into that, if you want to know how to create and maintain relationships with people like Sean and some of the other guests that I've had on the show. I can tell you right now it's all thanks to my podcast. If I didn't start this show, there is zero chance that I would know as many awesome people as I do now and look it's it's the perfect credibility vehicle and the exact value-adding excuse to really just connect with the people that you want to connect with. I highly, highly recommend anybody starting a show, but especially if you are in a niche or in, in, a, in a field that is not super niche, something that anybody can get into like real estate or lending or insurance or something like that, and you're looking for something to differentiate yourself from everybody else in the marketplace, then I highly, highly recommend looking to create content through a podcast. But if you do it, do it the right way because last I heard, 90% of podcasters never make it past episode seven. And so if you want want to be on the right side of that statistic, you're going to want to do what I did, which is hire a coach, hire somebody that's been there, done that, can walk you through the process. And yes, that is something that I currently do. In the last few months, I've helped several people get their shows off the ground, and I'd love to do the same for you. So if any of this resonates with you, then head over to travischappell.com slash coaching to apply. I only accept a couple people at a time because I don't want anyone lost in the process, and I'll only be doing this for a little while longer. So be sure to apply over at travischappell.com slash coaching if you're serious about getting started, and we will chat really soon. And now here is my conversation with Sean T. Sean, welcome to the show, man. Thanks so much for uh, letting me come out to the crib here and get this done.
1: I actually like that I'm getting interviewed on someone else's podcast in the Transformation Center. because <laughs> yes. It's just, I love when people come here. You know, I travel, I, I'm, I've been guests on podcasts a lot of times they're on the phone. But to get people to come into the energy we provide here is is pretty dope. So, so much better. I thank you for driving all the way out here. That's dedication and commitment. So thank you. Of course. Whatever brings the top quality content. That's what we're looking
0: for. I like it. So, bro, you have so many amazing parts to your story. So I kind of want to dive in here and build a little bit of context. Take me back and set the scene for what it was like day in the life for 10-year-old Shanti.
1: Oh, 10-year-old Sean T day in a life. I mean, back then I was battling the biggest secret of my life and some people might be like, "Oh, well you only been you were only 10 years old, but in a very profound way I actually had to grow up really fast just from being sexually abused in my own home every day and having to wake up and hide a major part of me and I believe that 10-year-old Sean was basically living like an iceberg. Whereas an iceberg, you only see 10% of the iceberg and what's happening underneath is is a lot of what's going on. And so that was me waking up every day, putting on a smiling face and trying to, again, maneuver my way, going to school, making an honor roll, playing sports, finding moments of my day to be happy, trying to stay outside and play as long as possible because I knew, or in a way, I didn't know what was going to happen at two o'clock in the morning when I went to sleep. Uh, It was very interesting because I always wanted to sleep in my brother's room. And he always used to be like, why do you want to sleep with me? You know, he was an older brother. So My older brother, he's only one year. So we were kind of like twins in a way, but I always wanted to sleep in his room. And he would be like, no, like, get out. Like, why do you want to sleep in my room? And, you know, partly was because I, I mean... I really loved him. I mean, having an older brother was awesome. I really looked up to him. But the other portion of that was because, you know, it was a nightmare happening in my room very often. And so it was it was really tough to kind of maneuver my way through that. And so even though he told me, no, it was just very hard to go to sleep. But, you know, I would wake up and I would push through and I would go and I would just, you know, keep myself busy Still not knowing what was going to happen. And so it was a very stressful life. Yeah.
0: This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all, it's to match and match with. Travis. Just go to Indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. So tell me a little bit about kind of the perspective there, because as adults, we can sit down and have a conversation and be like, okay, what was happening was clearly wrong. And like, there's an obvious answer, like should have told somebody, right? As a little kid, you only have one context, one perspective through which to view the world, right? Right. Like one lens, if you will. And your lens at that particular point was like this authority figure who's supposed to be somebody who loves me, cares about me, is doing things that like, I pretty sure aren't okay. But Who do I tell about that? How do I get out of this situation? Can you talk about like how that kind of worked itself out?
1: Yeah, um, worked itself out later in life, you mean, because obviously it didn't happen. But I think coming out of that initial stage of going through that abuse was, I mean, it kind of goes back to survival of the fittest, right? It's, you know, you have fight or flight. And a lot of people fight through it or they run. And so for me, it was a kind of a combination of both. I had to figure out what are my resources to get out of here? And again, I'm talking as a 40-year-old man now, but back then, I didn't know exactly what that was. And this is when like you're eight, nine? Ten. Um, I'm now about 14 years old. Okay, but it had been, it had been happening for years. Right? It had been happening from the time, it happened from the time I was eight to the time I was 12. So, and... This might be a little graphic to a lot of people, but I'm very transparent. It wasn't until I was I had my first orgasm, you know, that this person stopped, which later in life I realized that he was a complete pedophile, you know? So the pain- So literally like he went through puberty and he was like, I'm done. Yeah. The minute I had my first ejaculation, it was, I'm done. Which it's so wild in a young person's mind, because for me- this stopped happening and I had dealt with it and made myself and my life comfortable with it happening. So then when it happened, and when I had my first orgasm and he stopped, you go through a sense of abandonment, to be quite honest. So then, you know, where a lot of people have their their first breakup as a high schooler and they're kind of going through that like I had my heart broken. For me, it was by my you know, perpetrator, my molester. So, you know, so from the time I was like 12 to the time I was 14, I was going through that. And then when I realized that, you know, it was really affecting me a lot when I turned 14, I actually, you know, devised a plan to move out of my house because it just, it was just so toxic
0: in there. Well, you're still trying every day to like, just pretend like nothing happened. Right. Cause did, was he, he was still present.
1: He was still present. Uh, I was trying every day to pretend like nothing happened, but the, guess said dichotomy of it all is I'm still, I'm now trying to get the attention. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So to formed a, a, an attachment. Right. So in a sense, when you're young, you're saying to yourself, and when it's happening, this shouldn't be happening. This is wrong. But when it stops, because you've invested so much time to protect this person and this situation and this secret. Now you're saying to yourself, Well I invested this much. You know, why why are you allowed to now control the situation and and leave? And um I mean it was it was very heavy. Yeah. At what point at what point was he out of the picture? Uh he actually Wasn't out of the picture initially until I moved out of my house at 14 years old. And then, so for me, that was me getting away. And then it's a really interesting question because I don't know if, you know, he ever was really out of the picture or is now, but I think Embody, that was the first time. And then when I graduated from high school and went to college, you know, it separated a bigger distance, but really I felt like he was out of my life completely with clarity when my mother actually got him out of her life. And that even took a very dramatic moment because he actually held a gun to her head. And that was the strength that she needed to actually say, okay, I need to get away. And so, yeah, that's a lot.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, man. So coming out of of all that situation, you're 14 years old and you say like, I'm going to... I need to get out. I need to get out of this environment. So you go to grandma and grandpa Mm -hmm. and say, Hey guys, I want to help around the house, kind of like help you guys with some chores or something. Like be nice to have a young kid around, right? So you come up with this idea, this plan, you execute and you go live with grandma and grandpa. Can you talk to me about like the feeling that you had, like the first night that
1: you were there? Yeah. So it was really, it was actually the most profound. Uh, moment in my life and the most emotionally driven experience I've ever had because well, my grandfather's a pastor of a church mm. and what kind of a church? Uh it was kind of Baptist non-denominational, if you will. Okay. It's Christian. Okay. Um so he, you know, he always prayed. Like that was the thing. We prayed before dinner, we prayed after dinner. <laughs> We prayed when something went good. We prayed when something went bad. We prayed before we drove off in the car. Yeah, you know, right, we prayed all right. the time. And so my first night there, I mean, I was feeling so relieved that I was just away from this life that I was living. I said, good night to my grandparents. I was super, I had my own room. And then for the first time, I didn't like, you know, crave to have my brother's you know, safety net, yeah,
0: if you will. protection.
1: And I remember getting into bed, the lights were still on. My grandparents were in their room, which was a couple of doors down, was on the other side of the house upstairs. And I just started crying like the loud, like as if I was getting a spanking, you know, it was just so loud. And they both came running into my room and, you know, just started praying. They, They just, I felt like they knew something was, just not right. And I do know for a fact that they always have reservations about what I like to call my step monster. And um it was just so peaceful. It, it was that moment that was really peaceful. It was a it was a six year cry. Yeah. Is what it was like just finally just it break the dam. Break. Like, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it was like the iceberg melted, right? like you it's like I reached warm water it was I felt like comfort and uh, I woke up the next day and I can tell you this it was such a shift from waking up that next day my grandfather would probably say it was the prayer <laughs> for me it was just it was like I was proud of myself for getting through it I was proud I think I was more proud of the fact that I could see the future and to be very That transparent, I guess, is the word, but actually, my grandfather talked a lot about being born again. You know, for Christians, it's once you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you're born again, you are forgiven for all your sins. And, you know, I woke up that next day and I was like, oh, this is what born again feels like. Mm. Yeah. You know, but but not in a spiritual context, more in a... I mean, it was in a spiritual context, maybe not in biblical context, you know? Okay, so yeah.
0: Gotcha. So you're now in high school, 14 years old. Sports, academics, what was your, what was your jam in high school? Yeah. Uh,
1: here's an interesting question. My jam was actually finally releasing my personality.
0: Really? That okay. was my jam. What do
1: you mean by that? I was such a quiet person in elementary school and middle school and then going to high school. And I remember going to high school that first day and I was in a new space. I actually felt like I was speaking, you know? Cause before it was like I was speaking, but it was so heavy. Now I felt like I was speaking with air and life. And so I was able to like showcase my personality. So I think that was my jam. I mean, I joined the choir. I I was a track athlete. I um I ran track, you know, all three, off th- cross-country, indoor and outdoor. That was a thing that I loved. I had didn't play basketball or uh, football anymore because I just fell in love with with track and field so much. Like it was crazy. And then I was also president of the E-Race Club, which uh, it was called End Racism and Sexism Everywhere. And that was kind of like my intro to actually movement in terms of rhythmic movement, because as the president of that club, you had to be the captain of the drill team too. So, and we ran all of the, pep rallies out in the football field and the basketball court. So it was really well-rounded. And then I became a part of student government. Um, I was a vice president of my class for a few years. And then actually kind of produced and developed my own TV show in school. Yes. And so at the end of the day, so we, I don't know if you remember, um, you know, Anderson Cooper and Lisa Ling they were on channel 1 it was our our news okay. station in school and uh i just wanted to be anderson cooper so bad but they only did channel 1 in the morning and so uh i went to the av department i was like you know i really think you know you should let me do the 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 afternoon news and they hadn't they hadn't done it before and what was really interesting is they were like okay so before they let me get on camera, I had to go do the morning announcements in the office. So where the secretary would do the morning announcements over the PA system stuff, the loudspeaker. So then, you know, they started letting me do the morning announcements. And I guess because I was good at the morning announcements, then they put me on camera. And I remember I used to have my sheet there, had all my notes. And for people who've done my workouts, almost, almost all of my workouts, you know, I would end with, my name is Sean T, peace out. And mm-hmm. so that started way back in high school like that's what that's how oh, really yes
0: that's so crazy <laughs> that's awesome man oh so gosh. so finally start <laughs> allowing yourself really mm-hmm. to like come into who you truly felt you are yes absolutely uh, so coming out of high school then walk me through what happened next. Like was college always something that was like pushed in your family? Was it uh, cultural for you? Or was it like a, a goal that you always had to kind get of get out away from home, to get out from everything that was happening there? Like what, what was the driving force to get you out to college? This episode of the show is brought to you by Molecule. You guys know that I don't accept a lot of sponsorships here on the show because I only want ones that I actually think can help all of you and this is definitely one of them. Molecule is reimagining the future of clean air, starting with the air purifier. It's not just an improvement on an existing outdated technology, but a complete reinvention of air purification, which is definitely something at the top of my mind with my son being born soon. Unlike HEPA filters, Molecule destroys indoor air pollutants at a molecular level, completely removing them from the air that you breathe. It uses photoelectrochemical oxidation nanotechnology to eliminate allergens, Mold, bacteria, viruses, and airborne chemicals, which can really help you sleep much better. And getting good sleep is absolutely critical to having a productive day. So placing your molecule next to your bed clears the air that you're breathing. And many, many customers report feeling ultra energized after getting the best night of sleep that they've had in years. Molecule's technology has been personally verified by science, and most importantly, it's been tested by real people. Molecule has given allergy and asthma sufferers around the country an all-new experience. So for $75 off your first order, visit Molecule.com. That's M-O-L-E-K-U- L E.com. And at checkout, enter code Travis. That's molecule.com with a K M O L E K U L E.com and enter code Travis at checkout for $75 off your first order.
1: I mean, getting out to college was definitely a combination of my mother being very much education driven. I think it's because, you know, my mother grew up in a house where my grandfather's a pastor in very old school. So she didn't get to play sports. And when she did, she excelled the best she could, but then she wasn't allowed to do it. Uh, she didn't go to college. She struggled. We were on food stamps growing up, government assistance. We always had the car that broke down on the side of the road or that wouldn't start in the morning. So I know that she knew that education was the way that my brother and I would really excel and move forward in life and didn't have to live kind of like the struggle that she did like bust out of the circle right and so my mother had a stepsister and she was the first person in that immediate household from my and grandparents to go to college and we were really uh motivated by her we would go visit her in college she would take us to her college on the weekends and stuff so it was we knew at a very young age what college was and it was fascinating and my mother would always be like, you have to make the honor roll, you have to make the honor roll. And we did. And um, you know, there was a couple of years where I was being fresh and fast. And I, <laughs> you know, I mean, I was like, ah, I can get like a couple of C's here and there. She was pissed. <laughs> Cause she's like, You just made the honor roll, you're slacking, you know. But the the fact that college was really was really a part of our lives, we were focused on doing that. So my brother was the first one out of, you know, my immediate, immediate family to go to college. And then I was the next one. But it was really important for me to, you know, excel in sports as well. So I wanted to get a scholarship for track and field. I definitely was like, I I need to do that because I was was just very competitive, number one. And number two, I just knew that scholarship. (laughs) Right. I know. If you've ever done my workouts, you know I'm like telling you to push harder. I've done but, several of your workouts, yeah. <laughs> good for you. Good to know, because I was going to put you to the test today. <laughs> Just kidding. So, yeah, so, I mean, you know, so being an athlete, you know, it was important for me to get a scholarship. And I did to a school, but I didn't choose to go to that school. I got an academic scholarship and grants as well to the school that I did choose to go to. And I was also part of a program called the Educational Opportunity Fund. And... It was called the EOF MAP program where they took, we had to interview, it was a minority achievement program, basically at my school where you had to interview and and get to be a part of this and start, I actually started college less than a month after I graduated high school. So it was really important for me to go to college and really excel. The second part of that was once I went to college and I started to travel with being part of the different organizations I was a part of and once I got into fitness and starting to maneuver my way through different fitness conventions, I just knew that I did not want to stay in New Jersey forever. Not necessarily because New Jersey is a bad place, but I just feel like, why would I continue to stay somewhere that I know? And it was just important for me to, to yes, like you asked before to get out. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. So you're in college and
0: remind me, remind me what your first degree was that you were trying to go for. Communications, because
1: I was still the Anderson Cooper kick. So I wanted to, I did go into, for communications, radio, TV, film. And then switched to sports science. Then I switched to sports science because, you know, I went to college, wasn't on food stamps anymore, gained a lot of weight because (laughs) the food cart was amazing. I could order Domino's. I could go get baked ZD, I could get like all the pizza (laughs) I wanted. I could get extra ice cream. (laughs) How
0: much weight are we talking here though?
1: Well... I was 178 pounds when I graduated high school. And I remember because... And you're about six foot more. Well, actually, when I graduated, I was probably like 5'11". Okay. I grew a few more inches. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm not as tall as you, but close. <laughs> uh, no, I um. So I was like 5'11", 178 pounds. And within that first year of college and eating and just like enjoying life, really. Yeah. I, and I didn't drink. I wasn't like a drinker. I didn't go to parties like that. but. I gained fifty pounds. So I went to like two hundred twenty-eight pounds. Wow! In a single year. So, yeah. So not you skipped the freshman fifteen and went straight for the freshman fifty. Then yeah, you have to no. The five was first, <laughs> not second.
0: You know what I mean? It was. I'm it laughing because I did the same exact thing after. Oh. I, but it was for me. It was after I got married because I played uh, basketball in college, and uh, oh. so I was always working out. I was like one ninety, so like six foot one ninety in uh, in college, and graduated early, got married, stopped working out. Um, I, I would I would still lift a little bit, but not doing two hours of sprinting every night like you in basketball. <laughs> so stopped <clears throat> doing cardio. And uh, my wife is an amazing cook. And I started eating all of her food all the time. And she was trying to learn how to cook for two. So there was just like... It, there, there wouldn't be two enchiladas. You know, there'd be like ten enchiladas, and right, I had the right. appetite. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing. I, I gained. I went up to about two fifty there. Because
1: for food a little is bit. so good. So good. Wait, how tall are you? About six, 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 six one, six, one. Right, we're about the same height. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. So you get it. Yes. You know, and food is pretty much the culprit. Uh, <laughs> My weakness. You. I was gonna say it takes you down, but it kind of takes you up, in a way. So yeah, I mean, it was, it was, that food was incredible, but, and you know, it's interesting and this is going to be, this might sound funny, but it's true. I still got hit on a lot by the girls. Like I, like <laughs> I was gaining weight and I, you know, I knew I was gaining weight. I didn't really pay much attention to it until one day I looked in the mirror and I was just like very unhappy because <laughs> I was just like, I'm, I'm laughing because
0: I know exactly the moment that you're talking yes.
1: about. I was like, what? Yeah. I was like, How so was this happen? <laughs> You know, I remember taking off my shirt at track meets and stuff, and people, like, all the girls would be like, oh, yeah, Chauncey, you know, whatever. (laughs) And then I look in the mirror, and I was like, hell (laughs) no. I was like, this is not, you know, I was like, this is not the way. But, you know, at the same time, here's the psychological thing that was happening. It was also, like, I was actually coming into my sexuality, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. really understanding what that was. And a lot of people who are going through that, I don't want to say change, but like accepting who they are. Mm -hmm. They go through like the bisexual stage and then they go, you know, they go through the fluid stage then they go through the bisexual stage and then they go like, oh, I'm gay. And so as I'm going through this time, I'm still, you know, I still got the girls. I'm still, you know, doing the most there, (laughs) you know, just, you know, fighting my way through it, trying to understand what it is. But I also realized that I've kind of put on weight because I was like trying to not be as attractive because I had to always, Mm. I had to fight against, you know, telling people that I was gay, right? So I was just like, well, the less girls that are attracted to me, and I know this sounds so vain, but they still were attracted to (laughs) God. It's like, like, yeah, you know. When you got it, you got it, When you got it, you got it. And when I I would go home and my mom, you know it's so funny, though? People in my family, this is so weird. When I would gain weight, they're like, oh, you're healthy. Like, oh, you know, you're so cute. And I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm not. There's nothing cute about this. And, uh... So I mean, I was going through that. Now I can laugh about it. But at the time I was like, shit, this is like really fucked up. Yeah. You know? Cause I'm just <laughs> exactly. like, I like, ah. but so anyway, that day I looked in the mirror and like a lot of people, I took action right away. I was like, let me go to the gym real quick. I ran, I, what I knew was running. You know, I knew yeah, that I could right. run on the treadmill and, and I could, that's what I knew. And so I focused on that for a really long time. And I would run on the treadmill for literally only 10 minutes. I would run for 8 minutes and I would like kill myself for the last 2 minutes and I was done. I was like all right, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done until one day I was like okay, you got to add to this cuz I did start to eat better cuz I mean obviously I I knew. You know? <laughs> yeah, there there was no doubt about what was causing the weight gain, there was yeah. No cuz I was <laughs> still at the parties dancing my ass off. So it wasn't like calorie burn necessarily. So anyway, I started lifting weights and then it it just all clicked and I just fell in love with it. And then so I went to the rec center. Uh, the I changed my major from communications to sports science because I was like, okay, exercise is where it's at. It's what I know. Being an athlete my entire life, this is what I love. I feel it. It's perfect for me at the time. And uh, when I started, when I changed my major and I had to start taking classes and so on and so forth, I realized I had to become... Like, versed in all these different types of exercise, being a personal trainer. And then group exercise was huge. They were like, if you want to be marketable out in the field, you have to be able to teach group exercise. But so I was like, well, let me, I ain't teaching no like high low Jane Fonda, you know, <laughs> I love Jane Fonda, but you know, leg warmer right, shit. Right. I was like, let me come hard. So I found like this hip hop, you know, hip hop dance class. And I went to the rec center front desk and I talked to the director and I was like, Tina. I really, you know, you should let me teach a class here. And what was amazing is she was in higher education, which I think is really good. They really allow, at least Rowan University was really supportive in their students stepping outside of their comfort zone because in higher education, you know, that people want to excel at something and and the kids and young adults are trying to find their way. And so still to this day, I was like, what if she said no, you know, that would have been crazy, but she said yes. And. You know, I in the school paper, and I was still a little popular because I was in the Men of Rowan University magazine, so I was oh, like, nice. you know, it wasn't necessarily like a Chippendales magazine, but hey, you know, I was, you know. <laughs> close
0: enough. It was close, close enough.
1: enough yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I had my little spot. I, I think, I'll, I'll forget what month I was. I have to find it. But, <laughs> so, you know, and then I advertised, and I put my little picture up and on the bulletin board or whatever, and like 90 something people showed up to the first class and the room could only hold 60 people. Wow. And so... And you were like 20, 21. No, I was... I was like maybe... I was like 19 or 20. Wow. I think I may have been 19 because it was within that... Yeah, because I graduated when I was 18. I think I was 19. No, I think I may have been 20 because my freshman year I turned 19 and the next year... Yeah, 20. So I had pleasure fraternity. And it was after that, I was like, okay, I got to get it together. And so anyway, I taught this, I, you know, she came up to me. Tina came up to me and was like, look, 90 people showed up to this class. You have to teach two. Yeah. I had never taught a class. Yeah. But the cool thing was, is I did, you know, I was the captain of the drill team. So I had like some sense of, you know, how kind to lead. Lead, uh, right, yeah. right. But, uh. I don't know. I have to say this because dancing is in my soul. Like it's it's not, for me, it was so natural to literally be like, I'm doing this. And people would come up to me and be like, oh, like how many classes have you taught? How long you been teaching? And I was like, this is my first one, you know? But I got on a group exercise schedule right away and my class was, it was just so popular and like great. And I think a lot of it came from me just like, Giving people joy because I didn't I didn't do it for me I did it because I was like I'm learning about exercise and weight loss, and then I got certified in everything from kickboxing to you know different kind of boot camps to just general aerobics to step aerobics, um, spinning. I, I'm Just curious, at
0: any point along that, did you ever think that it would turn into what it's turned into today? Did you did you at least have like big goals or dreams, and we're just man, I'm not sure how it's going to get there, but that's what I'm looking for.
1: You know, when I was in college, everything was about health promotion and fitness management. So I really thought that I would try to make money in the health promotion field. It could have been like a big company or just a health promotion spokesperson and just like develop programs for maybe like insurance companies or something or, you know, big corporations. So That's what I thought it was going to be. And that's what I, that was my first job out of college. Um, I worked at a nuclear nuclear power plant (laughs) (laughs) and then I worked at a pharmaceutical company. Wow! And both of those were, what was really interesting is both of those places were helping scientists get healthy. So it was kind of interesting. I got, we had these scientists come down and engineers, you know, because they were so focused on like their craft that coming to the health center was their outlet and, you know, building relationships with people was, it was really great. But to be very honest, it just got like, it was so mundane, like the in and out, getting up at four o'clock in the morning to be at work at five, you know, driving an hour and then getting, coming home and still not making a lot of money and then having to teach. I would go teach dance classes till nine o'clock at night, you know? So I was working eight, Probably twelve to fourteen hours a day, depending on the day. And so when, I, so when I was in college, I just thought I was going to be doing that, you know. And then you know, just moving forward, uh, I think one of my one of the defining moments of teaching in college is when a forty year old man came up to me and was like, "You know, you're changing my life." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "You're so old." Like, <laughs> I'm like how am I changing your life? I'm like. 19, 20 years old. Like, what do you mean? And, but not until later did I realize that, you know, health was that important. And as you get older, you know, your metabolism slows down. It's, you have to work harder to achieve the results and maintain and sustain your body and everything. And so that was really the defining moment that I was like, I really want to be in health promotion. However, there was the grind workout on MTV, it was a DVD that I got at Sam Goody and the lead was Eric Neese. I don't know if anybody would watch the real world, but that video actually prompted me to to start teaching group exercise. And then as I'm going through that and and I start going to fitness conventions and it's actually a requirement and, and our school paid for it, which was amazing. Oh really? Yeah. I was like, I need to, I was like, one day I'll have my own DVDs. Never thinking it would be this. It would, I was like, oh, I'll do it once. You like, know, that'd be cool. I didn't think you could be super financially stable from it or anything. Right. I was just like, ah, eh, you know, I'll do it. And then when it happened, when I had moved to LA and I was teaching classes, and a producer came in and was like, Oh, you know, we want to develop a program for you. I was like, Oh my gosh. So,
0: so what what was the gap there? What was the gap in between? graduate college, working these crap jobs that, and maybe maybe that's a little too harsh, but working jobs that <laughs> they weren't were cr- not fulfilling. But you
1: know, they, mundane. I mean, they weren't crappy jobs. They were, I mean, they were amazing jobs for some people. Yeah, right. And yeah, yeah. in, in the direction that I think my life needed to go, they just weren't for me. But um, the, you know, what happened was I was just like, I have to make the decision to, again, get out of something that's not fulfilling me. And so making the decision to leave my my job after college was easy because I had, you know, left my house at 14. So I was like, if you did that before, you can do this now. However, I did have support from my mother because I went out and I visited a friend in LA and he was like, you should go take some dance classes. And I had gotten like my headshots and, you know, just to kind of look good. Yeah. in case somebody <laughs> wanted to, you know, you know see me. <laughs> And I went to this dance audition and I got picked to be a part of this agency. And so when I went home and they called and they were like, we want you to be a part of this agency. I called my mom and she said, go. So it was easy for me to go to work, give my two two months notice actually. And so the gap was really just doing all that and moving to LA with $3,000 and my Ford Focus and renting a room on in someone's apartment that I didn't know. And my brother drove out with me and Three, two or three days later, he left me there, and I was like, oh, <laughs> "He shit. was like, I'm done, <laughs> right?" And then I got I got a job at Equinox teaching classes, and it was really cool because before we didn't have GPS on the phones, we had MapQuest, so I had to like get the address, go to FedEx Kinkos, find a FedEx Kinkos, print out the directions, and I'm like driving over Lower Canyon Boulevard, and you know from North Hollywood to West Hollywood, and I'm like following these directions. It's so crazy. And I I went, you know, and I started, you know, I went to the gym and I taught my first class and people came in and that was, you know, I just really, I just started teaching again. You know, I just, at one point in college, I was actually teaching 19 classes a week between fitness and dance. And then when I got to LA, I was teaching 10 classes a week. I made more money for teaching classes, but then I had to leave room for auditions and wanting to be a professional dancer. So it was a grind. And I mean, I was living paycheck to paycheck. To the point where, at night, I was a stripper, too. So, yeah, oh, yeah, I was trust and believe. <laughs> Everybody got to be right, and I was like, eh. How do I bring in some extra cash? Yeah, if I'm going to get hit on, I might as well get paid for it.
0: <laughs> That's fair. That's Why fair. not? You know, so I did that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so in L.A. Don't try to
1: get, Don't try to skip past it, Travis. Come on, Diane, I know you want to ask about the strip.
0: <laughs> I'm curious to know what the proportion was. Of like income on teaching classes at the gym versus stripping.
1: Oh my gosh! So first of all, I was teaching at Equinox and I was making I think like fifty something bucks an hour, maybe sixty. And I was teaching ten classes a week. I made like a thousand dollars a week, so maybe I was getting a hundred bucks. I don't remember. So I remember making like a thousand bucks a week, and which in L.A. is pay your rent and. Oh, well, Buy I mean some four thousand bucks a month was <laughs> yeah. was pretty good because I was a I have roommates. Okay. So, okay, gotcha. You know, yeah, I'm still late on a few bills or whatever. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> so um so that and then I started working with Kathy Smith, who is a fitness icon. Okay. The, uh one of the salespeople, one of the sales reps at Equinox was like, Hey, I have a friend who ne- who's developing a fitness program for this company and she needs some instructors. So I went and auditioned for her. And I went to her house, drove to Brentwood. It was amazing. She was incredible. So she hired me as an instructor for her. Yeah. And so I was making like 50 bucks, uh, 50 bucks an hour per class. And I, I was teaching like two classes a day, like for four days a week. So I went from like teaching like 10 classes or whatever. I don't know. I was teaching. I started teaching a lot. Yeah, yeah. But then a lot of times I had to call out of work because I had to go to an audition. So I was like, I need to make money. Right. I need to still make money. So one of the women in Kathy Smith's test group. You know, I was trying to help these women lose weight. So I was helping them lose weight. And I was like, you know, the young, cute guy and, you know, instructor guy. So she was (laughs) like, oh, you know, me and my boyfriend own this gay club. And...
0: Hey, what's up, fellow and future networkers? Want to listen to Build Your Network a day early? Download the Himalaya app and follow the show for exclusive first access. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters, aka me, some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free. It's the easiest platform to use, and they're adding cool new features every single Day. So go to the App Store, download Himalaya. That's H I M A L A Y A. And don't forget to follow Build Your Network once you're there. Well, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about how we've been able to get some of the guests to come on the show, I've created a totally free resource called Meet Your Hero. So if you'd like to connect with people you respect and admire that are difficult to reach, you're going to want to go to travischapel.com slash hero to take action and start that training today. Have a wonderful rest of your day and remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.